turn to the Lord. So you might see that and go, return to the Lord, I've never left him. Been right here with him the whole time. What do you mean, return to the Lord? Or maybe you might say, like I said, I've never began walking with him, so how can I return to something that I've never walked with before? The passage here in Acts 3, uh, 19 says this. Check it out. It says, it'll be on your screen. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's out of Acts, out of the book of Acts. Repent then and turn to God, right? Why? So that our sins may be wiped out. Return to who? Return to God. Why? So that he can work in our hearts, so he can work in our lives, so he can move in us. And so my encouragement this morning and over the next few weeks to all of us is going to be this. Return to the Lord. And as we move out into uh, outside these walls and we are striving to reach our friends and our neighbors, the message to them is let's return to the Lord. Let's get back to doing things the way that God has called us to do things, the way that he has prescribed for us to live. You know, the truth of his word. And, and it doesn't take much to think about this world that we live in and all that is going on in the world to realize that we have wandered a long way off. Long way off. And we all need to return to the Lord. Do you agree with that? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, good. So open your Bibles to Hosea. We're going to look at a passage of scripture here. Hosea, the prophet of the Lord, is a prophet of divine love, Right? That's his message to Israel is, uh, is this love that he has for God and that his urging of them to come back to God, to return to the Lord as a nation, to return to the Lord as a community, to return to the Lord as a family and as individuals in every way, to return to the Lord. His, uh, his name actually means deliverance, the prophet Hosea. And if you want to break down his name, the title of his book is Hosea. You could basically sum it up by saying this. Hosea means helping others see the evil of apostasy. Okay, Hosea, the name Hosea. Helping others see the evil of apostasy. And what is apostasy? It means to walk away. It means to denounce or to wander off, to, to become defiant toward or to even abandon Helping others see the evil of apostasy. That's kind of what Hosea's book is all about. His name means deliverance, and he was sent to proclaim judgment on a corrupt Israel. Okay, God's people that God called and led and loved and, and, and poured himself into for years and years and years. And we all know the story of Israel, if you know anything about uh, biblical things, how they loved God and they served God and they honored God and then they would wander away from God. And they would realize their sin and they would, they would repent and come back to God and he would, he would accept them back and he would love on them some more and not long after that they would wander away and they'd come back and it was this vicious cycle, the same cycle that you and I so easily fall into, Right? We have times where God is big in our heart and in our life and all, all about it. And then we get used to that and we get slowly pulled away from, from following him and from that passion and the love that we have for him. And we begin to get sucked into the things of the world and before long we find ourselves wandering away from him. 
And, and he brings us back. He loves us back to himself. And we come back. And hopefully we come back to him. But it's human nature to wander. It's human nature to be distracted. And, uh, and Israel is that very way. And, and Hosea's message to them is, is God loves you. Come back. Turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. Return to the Lord. And so he has proclaimed to them over these chapters God's love, his love for Israel, that God loves his people no matter what they've done. And that's good news, right, this morning? That God loves us. I mean, he loves you legitimately. He loves you no matter whatever you've done. He just does. He's far bigger than your sin. He's far bigger than anything you could ever do. That's good news for all of us this morning. And that's what Hosea is proclaiming to them, that God loves Israel. But he also is proclaiming to them that God is not happy with, with Israel. That they have turned away, they have wandered, and they have run away from God. And now repentance is their only option as we, as we read this chapter in chapter 14 of Hosea, if you're there with me. And, and, and repentance and returning back to God is, is really their only option. And if they would do that, uh, God would bless them again. That God would, would love on them again. And that's just how God is, isn't he? I mean, he comes after us. He loves us. He wants us to know he loves us, but he isn't going to force us to love him. He's not going to force you to obey him. He's not going to force us to live according to his will. You can wander all you want if you choose. He loves you that much that he's not going to make you do what he wants. But if we'll come back to him, he'll love us and he'll accept us and he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us and he'll work in us again. But we get to choose if we're going to stay right there with him or if we're going to wander away from him and let the world pull us where it chooses to pull us. That's why the armor of God is so important in our life, right? Because in the armor we fight to do what? fight to stay in the presence of God. That's what the armor is for. It's to help us fight right there where, where God can work in us and protect us and surround us and, and cover us in his grace and his truth. Hosea chapter 14 verse 1 says this, return Israel to the Lord your God. Spells out pretty good, right? Our theme hits it right on, right on the nose. Return Israel to the Lord your God. Don't just return anywhere or to anyone or to any system or to any specific thing. You return to the Lord your God. You know, the one who brought you up out of Egypt, the one who loves you, the one who's been with you and protected you and has always shown to be true to you. Return to that God, the Lord your God. And he says, your sins have been, what? Your downfall. Your sins have led you astray, right? That's what's pulled us away is our own desire for what we want. has led us astray, right? Chasing after the things of this world or chasing after our own heart's desires, right? Those things have led us away from God. Our sins have been, he says, your downfall. Look what he says, verse 2. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. This is so good because in Hosea's message to Israel, who has seen God done, do amazing things all through time, right? If not them, their, their grandparents, 
right? And their fathers and their fathers have seen God do amazing things. And now they have wandered away from the Lord in big areas of their life, but maybe for us, maybe for us it's in simple little areas of our life that we have wandered away from the Lord. And Hosea's message to them is return to God. Return to the Lord your God. Come back to the one who loves you, who created you, who, who is going to give his son for you right in the future, who loves you more than you will ever know. Return to him, the one who's full of kindness and passion and mercy and grace. Return to the Lord your God because your sins have led you astray. And he says, when you go, when you go to the Lord in verse 2, he says, take with you words. That's important because they're used to taking what? Animals, right? They're used to taking other things and sacrificing them to the Lord. But, but Hosea says, you take your heart to the Lord. He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't want anything else. He wants your heart. And from your heart come your words. Right? And he wants you to say to the Lord, to speak to God, pour out your heart, right? Cry out to God from your heart, God, forgive us our sins. That's what he says. Forgive us all our sins, and God, receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. God, we love you so much. We know what you've done for us. We know that we have wandered away in areas of our life, God. We have wandered from you. God, forgive me. God, receive me. I mean, it's a beautiful word to them. It's a beautiful word to you and me this morning and to our friends and to the world, right? To this nation, to return to the Lord and to just be humble and quiet before God and admit, admit our need for him. Admit that we have wandered away by our own choice and come back to the one who can save you and do it with nothing else but your heart and your words. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made for you. For in you the fatherless find compassion. He says, you know what? The surrounding nations cannot get us where we need to go. Right? The, our own power, our own war horses are not going to take us where we need to be. Our own gods and statues and all the things that we raise up as idols in our life will not get us back to the Lord. The only thing that will get us back to the Lord, Hosea says to them, is if we humble ourselves and come back to the Lord ourselves with our heart. We don't need anything else. We just need the Lord. And he says, no one else can save us. No one else. And God says, if you will return to me, then you will watch me. You'll see me bless you. Look at verse 4. He says, I will, if you will do these things, right, I will heal their waywardness and I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. And God says, if you will return to me, I will bless you. I'll take care of you again. I'm not going to force you to return to me. I'm not going to force your friends to return to me. But if you will, I'll receive you. I'll love you. I'll work for you. I'll serve with you. 
I'll let you back into my, my mighty work and my mighty presence and my glory. Isn't that awesome of God that, that, that although these people just continue to run from him and turn from him and chase other things, he's, he's always willing and ready to receive them back. That's good news for us this morning. Right? That's, that's a good word for us. Who do you compare yourself to? Who do you compare yourself to? It's an interesting question, isn't it? How many of you, let's, by show of hands, and you can do this, we're not going to ask who, but um, how many of you find yourself comparing yourself to something or someone? Anybody? Anybody in the room? Okay. Okay, so the rest of you are afraid to admit it. Okay, it's okay. It's all good. We're going to get you here in a minute. <laughs> we, we all do. Uh, I think we all do. I think it's human nature, and, and, and we're going to kind of see the, how drastic it can get. Uh, you may think, you know, I, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad of a person. You know, I, I've got morals and standards, and I'm trying really hard to follow Jesus. Uh, I'm pretty good compared to that guy. Right? So I caught some of you right there. Busted. I'm pretty good compared to that guy or those people or that guy in the news or that guy. Did you see what he did? And, and within our own hearts, we, we realize I'm not that bad. You know, I've, I've, I've got the button, right? I've got the perfect attendance button, right? It's, it's, it's human for us, I think, to look around and compare ourselves to other people, what they're wearing, how they act, what they say, uh, what they're into, you know, especially young people do this, right? But, but we all do it. It's a human thing for us to do that. And what I'd like us to do for just a second is consider for a moment the holiness of God in light of who we compare ourselves to, whether we admit we do or not. Consider for a minute the holiness of God, his perfection, right? All the characteristics and qualities of God, right? His purity, his all-knowingness, right? His omnipresence, his patience and his kindness. His mercy and His love and His grace. All those things that, are, that make up who God is. The, 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 the vastness and the holiness of our God. Think about those things. Consider for a minute those things. And it becomes very clear, right, that I am, for me personally, and I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, I am a long way off from His glorious nature, from who He is. And He created me in His image, right? He created us in His image, He's called us to be like him, to think like him, to live like him, to act like him. And it becomes real clear very quickly that I am a long way off. One of the flaws, I think, of mankind is that we measure ourselves with the wrong measuring stick, right? We, we use other people. We look at people and we kind of judge ourselves by other people and how they do things and what they say and how they dress and what the world says and what Hollywood says and what magazines say, right? And we struggle with personal disciplines in our own life and accomplishments. And so what we do is we compare ourselves to other people and we typically look for people that make us feel a little better. We just tend to do that. We're human. It's in our nature to kind of, to kind of try to figure out where I fit into all this. And studies, if you look at studies, they're very clear that comparing ourselves to other people is called the drive. It's the human drive. It's a drive that's within in all of us. 
We, we don't like to uh, let it rule. We don't like to let it um, have control of how we think, but it's there. It's deep within us. And it, it's almost an addiction to outdo other people in various ways. We compare ourselves to people. We compare ourselves to other things. There's this adrenaline rush fueled by society or the media, right? TV, Hollywood, commercials, advertisements, all these things that fuel us and what we think of ourselves and who we compare ourselves to and what we want to be. And it gets really crazy and extreme, like, like over-the-top extreme. We in this room probably are not labeled in, in the extreme cases, but I'm going to show you a few here in a minute. Uh, we're, we're more, uh, we just look around and we, we just look for ways for, for us to feel like we're, we're doing good things. Or we're on the right track. Or we're, we're not that bad. Or we're pretty good. Uh, but let me share with you a few, a few uh, stats here. There are not stats, but these, these people. Okay, there, there is a... Um, these aren't the pictures yet, so hang on to that. The woman, there's a woman who had 51 cosmetic surgeries just so she would look like an Egyptian queen. I mean, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's taking comparing yourself to somebody to a whole nother level. There's a grandma who spent $16,000 to look like Jessica Rabbit. This was true stuff. Jessica Rabbit. She wanted to look like Jessica Rabbit. Jo, uh, Angelina Jolie, there's a mom who wanted to look like her. Spent a lot of money to do it. There's a woman who underwent plastic surgery to look like, get this, her husband's ex-wife. There is an, a female impersonator out there who spent $16,000 to look like Michael Jackson. I mean, Why? I mean, that's that, these are extreme cases. Uh, here, here's a picture. Check this out. Uh, first, brace yourself. Okay, that, I had to say that. Brace yourself. All right, let's go to the first pick. All right, so this, this woman, Jocelyn Wildenstein, is a New York socialite. And it's reported that she requested, like when she had all of her plastic surgery, which she had a lot, she wanted to have more cat-like features. Isn't that crazy? And check out this weirdo. Okay, go to the next one. I don't know where that came. There you go. This is, a, this is a lawyer. This is a lady who's a lawyer and a mother. Uh, she, her name is Maria. And now she, in, she reinvented herself into a more cur- or to her current warrior form. I mean, this is real. I mean, you've probably seen some pictures like this, you know, if you, if you look in the news or you, you know, are on the Internet at all. Um, and so, uh, thanks to hundreds of tattoos and titanium horns embedded in her skull, you know, she, she is this warrior person. That's just bizarre. How about the next one? All right, this is a guy. His name is Mark Dolan. He's best known as the Cat Man. The Cat Man. You guys don't know any of these people, do you? <laughs> okay, we can go to the next slide, please, quickly. Thank you. Okay. So, these are extreme this is extreme. I mean, it's, people go crazy, not just trying to look like somebody. You may have been compared to somebody at some point. You know, hey, you look like whoever. They may, it may be a compliment, maybe not. 
But, I mean, these people, there are people in this world that are trying to not just look like somebody, but be them. I mean, not just human forms either. I mean, extreme, exotic, crazy. Like, it just is a, it's just a taste of how people are seeking and searching and so lost. Like, they're not walking away from the Lord. They are running away from everything that God has for them in their lives. They are like going the opposite direction and they're going through extreme measures to, to be something they're not. When all along God is saying, I made you unique in my image just the way you are. And what we need to do is return to the Lord. Right? We just need to return to the Lord. And, and even in looking at these, some of, some of us were saying, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy. Right? Busted. All of us busted. We're comparing ourselves to these people. Where it's like, man, that's just out there. I'm not that bad. All right? And as Christians, right, as believers in Christ, we, we compare ourselves to only one person. Right? We're, not, we're not trying to be Michael Jackson or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Rambo or any Barbie doll thing. Our job, our goal in, in this world is to, re, is to, to be like Jesus. Right? He's the one we want to compare ourselves to, is Jesus, right? The Holy One of God, the one that we are made in His image. And so return to the Lord is what God is calling us to do, is to stop looking at the world and trying to be like the world and run back to God. Return to the Lord and try and strive to be like Him, to be like Jesus. It's why the Bible urges us in Hebrews to fix our eyes, right? The scripture says, fix, let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus. You just put your eyes on him. You strive to be like him. Why? Because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who made it all. Right? He created this universe. He created our faith. He knows exactly how we're supposed to live, how we tick, everything about us. He's the one we fix our eyes on because he knows everything about us. Everything. And so when it comes to comparing ourselves in this fallen world, what we need to do is come back to the one who made us. Return to the Lord in our hearts and in our minds and in all that we do in this world and strive to be like Jesus. Just like Hosea called Israel back to the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord, he says. Come back to him. Jesus in Luke in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had this amazing encounter with these ten men. Right? These ten men, they had leprosy. Leprosy, which is this nasty, awful disease, right? This skin infectious disease caused white blotches on their body and on their face and their head and, and in places where you could see it. And it was disgusting and gross, but it was infectious. And so for that reason, these people were cast out of the community. They couldn't stay in the community. They went and they lived outside of villages and outside of towns, away from everyone else, so they couldn't spread their disease. They were unclean. And Jesus is coming to this town in Luke 17, and he comes across these ten lepers. Check this out, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Go there if you would in your Bibles. And it says, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he traveled along the border of Samaria and Galilee. So he's up north 
above Jerusalem, above Judea, above Samaria, right on the border of Galilee and Samaria. Verse 12 says, as he was going into this village, so he's not yet in the village, outside the village are ten men who had leprosy, and they met him, and they stood at a distance because that's what they're supposed to do when you have leprosy. You're unclean, you don't go near anyone else, and so you stay away from everyone else. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's amazing to me that they knew who he was, right? I mean, these are ten lepers, they're out in this community. Jesus has come through the area before, but here he's coming to this village again, and they see him from a distance, and somehow they know that's Jesus. Hey, you guys! What a day this is. Like, could you imagine being them? I mean, they're just out there every day, out there, sleeping out there, living out there. And then one day they see Jesus and somehow they know some information about Jesus. And so they say, Jesus, look what they say, Jesus, Master. They call him Master because they know he's their lucky charm today. He's the one who might bring some good fortune their way. And so they call out to Jesus and they say, Help us. Jesus, help us. What's interesting in those, that verse is this. They see Jesus coming. Just a minute, just for one minute. Let's take a break here. They see Jesus coming. And I, and I wonder in this world how many times the people see us coming. Right? They see you coming. They see me coming. And what do they think? When they see you coming, do they see somebody trying to fit in with the world? Do they see somebody coming that's trying to look like somebody else or act like somebody else or, you know, be like somebody else? Is that what they see when they see you coming? Or when they see you coming, do they see Jesus? Just a humble person who loves the Lord, who understands that God is God and I am not, and, and I'm crying out every day for his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And when they see me coming, they see somebody who's connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or do they see something else? It's a good question for us to ask ourselves. But here, these 10 men, they see Jesus. And they call out to him, and they ask him for help. And in verse 14, it says this. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go and show yourself to the priests. Okay? That's the word they were hoping for. They don't know what it all means. But these ten guys hear Jesus say, Hey, go. Go on into the village and show yourself to the priests. Go. And so... As they went, they were cleansed. <laughs> they begin to walk, right? They begin to do what Jesus said, and they're cleansed. That's a good day for them, right? I mean, that's an amazing day. God has just come their way. They have connected with Jesus, and he gave them the word, and now they're on their way, and they're cleansed. Verse 15, but one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. He returned to the Lord. He came back to Jesus. 
not the other nine. They kept going. See, we all come to Jesus for different reasons. People want God for all kinds of reasons. Most of them the wrong one. See, these guys, the other nine, they're thinking, here's our lucky charm. We're going to get, we might get a blessing out of this, and when we do, I'm going to run with it with everything I got. Me, 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 me. One of them. So statistics say, according to this, one of every ten people come to Jesus for the right reason. That's not a true statistic. Don't quote me on that, please. But according to this, it's true. One of them comes back to Jesus when he saw that he was healed, and look what he does. Because this is our example of returning to the Lord. He comes back to Jesus, right? God has healed him, and he comes back to Jesus, praising God in a loud voice. God, thank you. God, you are amazing. God, thank you for, for caring about me. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for, for just being patient with me. He comes back praising God with a loud voice. And verse 16, he throws himself at Jesus' feet. It's an act of humility, right? That Jesus, you are master and king, and I am the work of your hands, and you have healed me. And he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, right? And Jesus says to him, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith in what Jesus can do has made you well. And your acknowledgement that he is God and your appreciation for what he has done. And he comes back. He returns to the Lord to say thanks. Thank you, God. We can learn so much from this guy who this one man out of the ten who comes back, who returns to the Lord. He bows before Jesus. He humbles himself. The scripture says, the text says, he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he makes Jesus king of his life. Jesus is the standard of who he wants to be. Right? He is the one he is now going to fix his eyes on and compare himself to. Jesus, you are Lord. And he's the only one worthy of following. He gives thanks. He gives thanks. He comes back praising God with a loud voice, unashamed to say, praise the Lord. Look what God has done for me. And he puts his faith in Jesus. And ultimately, it was his faith in Jesus, that connection that resulted in his healing. We don't know what happened to the other nine. But my guess is, and I'm guessing your guess is, they were back outside the village not long after this. Right? They didn't return and give thanks. They didn't return and give thanks. And so this morning, as we begin to think about returning to the Lord, and we begin to think, how in my own life does this even apply? How does this fit me? Do I really need to return to the Lord? I've been in the church all my life. I've got a list of all the cool things I've done for Jesus. And somehow even in that, we need to return to the Lord. Right? 
Some of us are here and we're, we're like, you know, I've never given my life to Christ. I don't, I don't need to return because I've never come to him the first time. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, God, I need you as Savior of my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. And so maybe this morning you need to come to Jesus for the first time and be washed by the blood of Christ. I don't know, maybe that's where you're at this morning. And maybe you're, you're one of these people who are here and you're thinking in your heart, I gave my life to Christ a long time ago and I have wandered so far. There's no way he'll accept me back. And I'm here to tell you, yes, he will. He will, because he loves you. And the example we have is Israel. If anyone sinned, it was Israel constantly wandering from God and God constantly saying, I welcome you back and he welcomes you back as well. And if that's you this morning and you just need to get right with him, 2018 is right here. We're standing at the beginning of a new year. This is the perfect time for all of us to decide how we need to return to the Lord. That's what we should do. Return to the Lord.